Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis present. Travis, what grade would you give us? I mean, in you know, not only as human beings who podcast, um, but also on our show and just sort of the the crispness. A solid B minus. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. I think that we are where I was when I was like in tenth grade, uh-huh. which was like a solid B minus student, and. I'm starting to wonder, how do we get... I want to be a B plus, A minus student. Oh, you know what that takes? What does it take? Just a, just a tiny smidgen. Just a little bit of money. Capital, as they say. Okay. Yeah. So, I think that we should try to get some sponsorships. We should. And you know what? You can... What? As a business, or an event, or whatever, you can help sponsor Jamie and Travis Present. That's what that memo on my desk this morning about the new marketing department at Jamie and Travis Present was. They're hungry. They're hu- there's a hungry staff of people oh my that is ready to help you advertise your business on our podcast. And we really need you because now we're paying these people. We're paying. It's a, it's a, a large staff. And currently we are have zero revenue. Our burn rate is intense. Is intense. 100%. For these people. Yeah, we have a 100% burn rate every day. What does burn rate mean? Burn rate means you start with the amount of capital you have to start a business. Yeah. And how much time it takes to run out of money. It takes none of the time. Yeah. Because we didn't have any. We don't have any. It takes zero time. Our burn rate out. hasn't even started yet. Yeah. Because we don't have any money. It's... So, and money isn't everything. Uh, come on. We love doing this. But if you want to advertise on our business and help us out, yeah. the quality of the podcast will go up. Exponentially. Incrementally. <laughs> so, if you want to advertise on our podcast, because we have listeners, and we have some reach, which is uh, kind of exciting. So, if you want to advertise on our business, you can get a hold of us. Where can they get a hold of us? Jamie and Travis present at gmail.com is the best way. But, man, you could see us on the sidewalk and ask us about it. You see us in the supermarket and ask us about it. Yeah, corner one of you us. You could see us in the mall and ask us about it. Probably. You could see us at Target and ask us about it. And then you might also ask, why isn't Target sponsoring why isn't Jamie Target, and Travis yeah. for- ask one of the cashiers why isn't Target sponsoring an episode of Jamie and Travis and present? if you need some of our business cards to hand to said cashier at Target let us know and we- we'll get you a stack yeah, we- <laughs> we'll get business cards made yeah uh, it's post-it notes post-it notes with our names on with it. our name on it um, but seriously uh, we're excited about this this is a new dawn for uh, a new hope Ooh, uh, oh, you got me. The Force Awakens. The Force will awaken in this podcast. New Dawn is not a Star Wars movie. No, but A New Hope is. But New Dawn is a type of rose. It's a climbing rose. It's oh. quite lovely. Um, uh, uh, and we're really excited about it, and we hope that uh, some people out there will take us up on the offer, because yeah. we really want to work for you. And we're also open to trade, depending on the business. Oh. So if cash money isn't something you're willing to give up, but you, like, let's say, make time tamales or uh i don't know yeah other food mostly maybe you sell uh, uh horse trailers oh if you sell horse trailers uh done <laughs> done done that gets you at least half an episode you can have the podcast <laughs> as far as i'm concerned perfect uh so yeah get a hold of us jamie Travis present at gmail.com we would love to chat
Um, Dan Brooks, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Uh, you are the guy behind Combat Blog. True. And you are the opinion writer for the Missoula Independent. Yeah, I am an opinion writer for the Missoula I have, I've always wondered about that. But who else is there? That's a good question. So <laughs> I'm, <laughs> and I probably know less about the answer to that question than almost anyone. Um, I'm freelance there, so like I don't, I don't really come into the office. Right. Like I come for the Christmas party, and then I'm like, oh, what do you do here? And they're right. like, I'm your editor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like. There's, they seem to be doing a lot more like unsigned editorials now. Okay. Um, but you basically have something in there every other week. At yeah, least. I'm a weekly columnist at this point. Okay. Well, maybe they could throw you a bone here. Uh, uh, we we really wanted to have you on this week because next week is our is our special election in Montana, and um, you have you you write in a great way about politics. Thank you. Uh, and we've talked about this in the podcast also, politics have become like, I think that ESPN is having trouble because politics are the new sports. Right. Right? Like that's the, and you write about it. And so now also punditry is, is like brought to a whole new level. And there's like not that many awesome people for me to read. Uh, and you manage to make me laugh when I'm re- writing, reading about this stuff, which is really important, even if it's a sad kind of laughter. <laughs> that is what I'm going for um, right now. But uh, yeah, can you? Do you want to? Where are you at with with the special election, and how are you feeling generally? It's it's real weird. Um, the uh, this year's special election is fascinating to me um, because, as you know, um, like neither neither major party candidate was like elected through a primary system. Yes, please. Um, normally I'm a decaf man, so I'm about to get really into oh, okay. yes. Uh, this is, yeah, I'm going to become more, more powerful than I could possibly imagine. Um, yeah, so like both the candidates in this year's election were chosen by their parties. Right. Um, and yet like neither one of them has ever done any of this before. Uh, obviously John Forte ran for, for governor, but he's never held elected office. Um, so the, it seems odd to me because the parties have made like a conscious choice that we like outsiders better than we like any anyone who has any experience right. in politics. Um, it's a weird sort of like expression of self loathing, I think. <laughs> it is right, but it also it also seems like such a shitty like. I mean, these people are supposed to know the landscape, right? The people in charge of these parties, yeah. And it seems like everyone's just like, well, Trump won. And everyone hated him in our industry, uh, so let's just get someone who's like kind of like Trump in yeah. terms of their experience. And John Forte has done like a huge pivot. When I talked to him in early 2015, he was uh, what I would describe as a theoretical conservative. Like he had really embraced uh, the idea that free markets were the most efficient way to run the economy. Right. Um, a uh, a strict constructionist interpretation of the Constitution. Um, it seemed like he had read a lot of books about conservative theory and gotten really excited about it. Yeah. And the new iteration of Gianforte, which is only happening, like it started two months after the general election, is completely different. He's a he's a Trumpian conservative, he seems to be, or a Trumpian Republican. He seems to have embraced the idea of winning as being more important than any of these previously very important principles right. to him. So it probably 
aligned with Zinke leaving his post. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Gianforte having... I mean, Zinke and Gianforte uh, similarly seem obsessed, like, just suspiciously ambitious, I guess I would say. Absolutely. Like, um, why? Why do they... <laughs> what do they go <laughs> And that's a very good question. The question of, like, why Greg Gianforte got into politics at this point in his life, I think, is worth asking. Because he's set. Like, he, he right. worked in his field. He struck it rich. His children are grown. Um, he apparently owns a gigantic ranch. Right. Uh, I can't... I can't imagine what like personal gain he could extract from yeah. politics at this point. So I want to believe that he's doing it out of like a sincere desire to help people. Seems so unlikely. <laughs> it really does. It seems so unlikely. And you know, it's at great cost too. I mean, these campaigns must be brutal for for these people. I always wonder, like, what is what is the the inner monologue that Mike Pence has every morning? Yeah. You oh, know, God. I mean, I feel I, they're oh. almost sympathetic they're characters to I me. I bet it's a dialogue oh. inside Mike Pence <laughs> at this right. point. That's oh, totally weird. really true. That's really oh. true. But I wonder, yeah, I mean, what, what kind of ambition says this is worth it? I mean, Gianforte's already lost once. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess, well, apparently the Missoulian has, well, I don't know if you call it nice things to say, but they back him <laughs> up. Was that shocking to you that the Missoulian endorsed Sort of. Um, I was I was more surprised by the the public expressions of shock than I was by the editorial <laughs> itself. Yeah. Um, I think the the editorial board of the Missoulian has been well. The Missoulian newsroom has been trending conservative over the last two years um, with the with the appearance of Matt Bunk, um, but that was also followed by the rapid departure. That was sort of, of the Bunk. the I can say it. You don't have to say it. But he was sort of like a broy jockey looking dude who brought a gun to work or something yeah so this is for those for those of you listening at home um matt bunk is is my age he's uh he's 24 no um he's he's like 38 39 he's pushing 40 he previously did not have experience at a daily newspaper he had been the publisher and editor of like a bi-weekly in libby or something yeah out of libby um and he was brought on by the previous Missoulian publisher, uh, Matt Heinzelman. Um, and, like, it was an odd hire. They fired Sherry Devlin yeah. after, after a gazillion years. Um, and immediately, like, Matt Bunk became known in the, I guess, reporter rumor mongering as being, like, kind of a, a tea party dude. Yeah. And his, his Facebook page was amazing. Like, that dude is jacked. He can he definitely... Is break me no doubt you can break all of us <laughs> but like we he's should... very handsome too yeah he's uh i hate him uh, <laughs> he's like but we shouldn't know that about our local newspaper no. editor we should not know that he has like ripped traps or whatever right. that he was constantly conveying with shirtless photos on it's facebook it's true yeah it's sort of surprising uh anyway like it seems like the backlash already happened there and all those people got got removed like matt and and right. heinzelman um, but it's my understanding that the the endorsement that Missoulian ran ran in other Lee papers as well. Yeah, yeah. pretty yes. much. We were discussing that this morning. That I mean, it's, except for did it run in the Revalley Republic? I don't know. I'm I afraid I don't read the Revalley. Which is weird because I think that's the one that's missing. I don't think they need to. I think it's <laughs> <laughs> obviously who they're endorsing. Yeah, they endorsed Barry Goldwater this uh, year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, by the way, what the f- what is up with newspapers endorsing 
candidates. Yeah, what is that? You seem like someone who would have an opinion on that. Yeah, so I have an opinion on everything. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you read Martin Kidston's. Uh, he did like a short, I don't know, like seven or 800 word piece in the Missoula Current, which is Martin Kidston's like news and current events. He started after he left the Missoulian. Correct, yeah. yeah. Um, and he basically took issue with the idea of newspaper endorsements as an anachronism. Mm-hmm. Um, he argued that uh, it used to make sense for people who own printing presses to endorse someone because they were just trying to trying to exert a little more influence right. uh, in exchange for their investment, um, and that in the age of the internet, that's that's not necessary. Um, it seemed like the implied argument was that with more news sources, the authority of your one local news source is not necessary. Um, which I gotta say, I disagree. I mean, the thing that the thing that pisses me off, I think, about the Missoulian, be, well, so there's so many layers of being pissed off. One is, I'm frankly that Rob Quist is the option for yeah. Democrats. Yeah, that really frustrates me. <laughs> um, uh, two is that I actually, while I know people get news from a million different places every single day, and a lot of time I don't think we distinguish between getting news and other data yeah it's kind of all information shit just Mm -hmm. words you know trump's good words uh but with the missoulian i actually feel like my immediate reaction was that that will make a difference that there are going to be people who look at both these options and they say they both suck and they're going to read that and it's going to tip them to Gianforte. And from my perspective, that is like such a dangerous, scary thing that I really feel anger at the Missoulian about it. Yeah. And, and I don't. So I guess I'm saying I disagree with Martin Kinsey because I actually think in this instance, uh, with in this circumstance, with these two pretty shitty options, uh, it does matter. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And fuck. God damn it. Why did they have to do that? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're the paper of record. And I do think that, uh, first of all, old people vote way way more than anyone we know right. votes. Um, and I think that, uh, like, that readership is still very connected to the, the daily newspaper, Absolutely. particularly in this town where, they're, you know, people are not reading the Times instead or whatever. Right. Um, and I think it will... It will influence people. If John Forte carries Missoula County, I will. I don't know what I will do. <laughs> I will wear so, pants on my head and. Oh, I'm gonna give the Missoulian one star on Facebook. That'll, <laughs> that'll <laughs> teach. <laughs> Shut it down, boys. <laughs> yeah, that make, that wouldn't make sense. I was talking about it with uh, uh, the date's dad because we were. I was discovering that on Facebook as it was unfolding. Did you just refer to Bridget as the date? The date's dad. Like your girlfriend? It was my date. Okay. okay. Like your like your date for daily life. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> we go to we sometimes have breakfast together. I feel like we're sometimes in like we... a Raymond Chandler novel or something. <laughs> I think it's just dad. a just a nice <laughs> okay. it's anyway. nice little thing. I it, what seems I, pretty misogynistic. What I think date means to me is that I still like her. We're not in a point where well, we're not dating anymore. That's it's, interesting. I do yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still excited about her. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Spin. You should run for Fucking office. Spin. You really spoiled your mind uh, on that one. You know, after I always I always joke about running for mayor and the uh after watching this last election it's and not then a joke. Well and then this current this current situation where like oh it's possible for me to run for mayor. Yeah, because if and and I've met Rob, I've known Rob for years. I I I I can't. I I don't know how to vote for him. 
I don't know how to say yes because I'm like Rob oh, Quist. Yeah, he's just my buddy. Like he, I mean, he's not, but he's that's essentially it's like me voting for you, Jamie. Well, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm going to vote for him because he's I know he's that party. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I but never I wanted. To, that. But I never want. Yeah, I never wanted to be that person. That's that, that that's like what my granddad did. Yeah, like voting straight ticket is like what my granddad did. I literally know nothing about him, and I can't. <laughs> That's that's pertinent to being a, a congressman. It seems as though the Democratic Party also did not know right. a lot of. Wow, <laughs> this money stuff seems yeah. like like you mother. How can I swear? Yeah. Okay, like you motherfuckers didn't run a credit check I know. on this guy. It's, um, it's insane. And it's alarming that he also did not divulge this information. Um, it's more understandable to me if they. If somebody asked me to run for Congress, I would be completely unqualified, but I would not be like, so you guys know I did a shitload of cocaine, yeah. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I would probably just like keep that mum totally. and enjoy the ride. So I don't necessarily blame uh, Quist for that, but the party has absolutely failed to yeah. do due diligence. There. Well, also, though, in particular, I mean, you know, whatever. He's a musician. The, like, the, the equivalence of the cocaine stuff, whatever. Uh, the money stuff, though, especially when his whole thing is like working man and speaking to the regular Montanan, and you're not like paying contractors and shit. The contractor thing is bad. That's and for something wasn't it for like a stage at his house? Yeah, it was like an excavator who I guess flattened a big area behind his the house. Optics are are not good on that. Yeah, I like to say that now. That's a that's a pundit thing. To optics, say. yeah. Optics. It's, it's great because it's not about what you think. It's about what you think people think. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Gross. So true. Uh, so, Dan, do you? Because you you went to the university, and you got an MFA, right? Uh, true. Yeah. In fiction. Mm-hmm. And then I assume you realize that writing fiction is impossible. Uh, yeah, that's that's why I'm rich now because yeah. I got that MFA <laughs> in fiction. You can't you can't see it, but I'm just wearing huge rings. <laughs> uh, but now you are you. I mean, I know that you write other places, and you, your stuff has appeared in New York Times Magazine. Yeah. Um, but you seem to, on, on your blog at least in the Indies, specifically write about politics a lot now. Mm-hmm. Um. And it seems like politics in the last year, I mean, it's always been a circus, I would imagine, writing about politics. But as someone who clearly is also interested, you're interested in policy. Yeah. And you seem to, I mean, you have a really great way of uh, simplifying what seem like, I don't know, the sort of topics I just like don't even want to begin to try to dig through mm-hmm. you like tackle and really boring things yeah. sometimes that's my that's my medier it's boring <laughs> but makes them not boring which yeah. is really awesome um but are you now committed do you think to more or less a life of writing about politics um you know it's funny you should ask because i have been considering this a lot um it's easy to write about politics on a daily basis, yeah. and that's why I tend toward it for Combat Blog, because yeah. um, there's new stuff all the time, and it all seems important yeah. while it's happening. Um, and it's it's maddening to try to determine how important any of these events will be. Like yesterday's seemingly borderline impeachable offense right? that <gasps> may just not matter at all. Um, it's going to disappear. Yeah. It wasn't even... It didn't even... It, it, what What would be... What would be the worst thing to ever happen in 1975? Absolutely. Turned out to be below, uh, the headline was below something else, something regarding like The Voice or something on my feed. I was like, oh man, giving information to the Russians was number two. Eh. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Weird. 
Well, uh, somebody moon, mooned everyone at Eurovision. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that was big news. Oh, my God. So that happened yesterday. The Washington Balls. Post Great. missed that one. Um, but I, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up a tweet I read, which is a thing that I actively resolve not to do anymore. Oh, um, yes. Back in September, uh, somebody, I believe it was Nick Weiger, uh, tweeted like, "Oh, so Trump." failed to properly register his foundation as a 501c3, yeah. which was the big scandal of the, the yeah. week. And Nick Wagner's response was, this will matter to his supporters who believe that Jews have night vision. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. yeah. And I think there is, like, one of the major issues in politics right now um, is, like, the massive epistemological disconnect between people who follow politics each day um, and think that stuff like giving classified information to the Russians is a big deal. And then people who experience politics as more of a sport, right. as you put it. Um, the same people who are like Brent Roethlisberger would never rape anyone are also like Donald Trump would never, would never act out of, uh, out of what's appropriate for the presidency. Right. Uh, I mean, and along those lines also, so you have these different categories of, of the way people are ingesting news, and some of them it's still news. Like it's old fashioned almost. Mm-hmm. Some of them it's sport, but then you also have the the, the party divide, the ideological divide. Where, and this is what I was getting at when I wonder what you think about when you think about a career writing about politics now, because the way people, there's no, you're fans of different websites. Yeah. Uh, and websites are the way people get news now. Um, so you're you're gonna write more or less for people who are going to probably agree with you. Yeah, and it's a big problem because, like, so, Travis, you talked about the the experience of voting for the Democrat no matter what. Yeah. Um, and in, in the Midwest, we used to refer to, to such people, and I, I count myself among them, as yellow dog Democrats. Yeah. yeah. Um, people who would vote for a yellow dog if it appeared on the ballot with yeah. a D next to his name. Um, and, like, I don't want to be that. Like, right. I don't think of myself... I voted Democrat in every election in my adult life. I don't think of myself as a member of the Democratic Party. Right. No. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I do either. Yeah. I never thought about that. And when I, you know, the, I guess the first election I voted in was, was Clinton, Clinton Bush. Um, and then, like, after that, like, I wasn't going to vote for George W. Bush. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I certainly wasn't going to vote for Donald Trump. Um, but I have... You know, I held my nose and voted for Hillary Clinton. I've been voting against Republicans for the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, and I... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, well, which is an amazing thing. And I guess I always just keep coming back to this when we talk about politics now. Because, again, a part of me wants to be so... Say, I understand this other perspective. Or I understand that someone has a different perspective and their perspective is valid. But then when I look at the people who represent this... I represented the Republican Party, and at the top, and I think, man, those are people that I, generally speaking, wouldn't even like want. If I had kids, I wouldn't want my kids to be around them. No, absolutely not. And somehow, they pretty much every election, about half the people in the United States support them. Yeah. Uh, so it's like it just feels like my fucking duty to vote against them. You know, like if that could count for more and there was still a really great Democratic option, I still might just vote against them rather than for someone yeah. I like. Because it seems that important. And it's, you know, it's taken on like a cultural component, right? Totally. Everyone I, everyone I know votes Democrat. Yep. Um, and 
I imagine like the political spectrum as like the range of views among people I know. Yeah. So like way over here on the right side of the political spectrum is like mild welfare reform. And right. then on the left side is full communism. Yeah. Um, when really it's running from full communism to like putting Muslims in camps and, you know, reducing the top income tax rate yeah. to 5%. Like there are places where that's the predominant, that are like right over there, just yeah. like 10 miles south of here. Yeah. Where if you go into a diner, everyone might think you should put Muslims. Like, fucking yeah. tar- Target Range. Which is, When yeah. I ride my bike in Target Range, all I, like you can feel... There's 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 like a difference in uh, yard art yeah. that reminds me. Oh, that's right. Uh, there's probably forty five percent Republicans in Missoula. Well, there's the Got outdoorsman it. church out there. Have you seen <laughs> the that? The what? The outdoorsman <laughs> church. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it like a hunting themed church? Yeah. It is exactly what it is. Yeah. And there's a big. The, their website <laughs> has a lot of page dedicated to uh, their like basically opening up a franchise of their ministry. Oh, sweet. Of which, I, so far as I can tell, one person has bid on and they live in Stevensville, not surprisingly. This is, this is potentially <laughs> off topic, but like franchise Christianity is one of my favorite things it's in the beautiful, world. It's beautiful. Church, plant, church planting, specifically yeah. that, that thing is really interesting. Like, that's what they call it. That's what they call it. Uh, planting. I know. Uh, and they, they, when they do that, because it's going to grow, because it's going to uh, prosper, because it's going to be give, it's going to give back in return. The weird is where they, they'll be planting because they know other churches are there. Oh, there, there's a bunch of churches there. That means we could also plant one. There. So they got to like get in before the Methodists it, suck up the market It's like Home share. Depot and Lowe's. Wow. Kind of thing where you're like, wow, that church is doing really well. I bet we could do really well there too. Oh, wow. Which is it's so... It's like why gas stations are always clustered around yeah, each other. Yeah. Well, the idea being like, okay, if that, if that church has a bunch of members, there's probably people that don't want to go to that church but still want to go to a church. So we'll just be, we're, we're going to be a little left of them or we're going to be a little right of them and we're going to put our church... A block away from them. It's exactly like coffee shops. Sure, I know. <laughs> so sure. Oh, you don't really like that coffee? Good, because there's great. There's a great sermon two blocks away. That's going to be more like. And I and I grew up around Christians. I grew up Christian, but I grew up around Christians that uh, church hop because they have like a thing where they're like, "Well, this church believes in this, so we don't want to go there." Or one minister says something, yeah, and half and you, the church leaves. And yeah. you can think like, well, you can't. You're not supposed to be able to choose that. In theory, you're not supposed to be able to choose. Well, I don't like that one little uh, ethos of that church, so we're going to go to this one that believes in what I already believe in, mm-hmm. which seems weird. Oh yeah, that you have a choice when it's so it's all written in stone, right? right. It's all, it's all, so, yeah, the it's best all thing so about that. Christianity is all its customizable features. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the options. There's so many sure. options. So many fucking options. Um, swinging back to the straight ticket voting, I, the thing that we don't have now that I had growing up was going going to watch uh, going when my parents voted is the bell that rings on the old machines when you vote straight ticket. Oh really? So yeah, if I have that right. So if you voted all Democrat, it would and you just hit that switch, click, pling. Oh, so everybody in the room knows that it was a straight ticket vote, but you don't know for what. Weird. And then you can just conjecture based on their clothes and hairstyle, (laughs) right? (laughs) But of course, it's it was it was nineteen eighty. I mean, it's pre nineteen eighty, pre ninety, I think. So like back when everyone dressed the same. So everybody got well. People got dressed up to go vote. That's awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Like, it's like, I remember my dad wearing a tie to go vote, which is so funny. Like, he's also wore a tie to get on a plane. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, remember, I even remember that. Like, we don't do that. Totally. Which is so strange, but the, the bell ringing thing, that that is a weird, dumb tradition. Yeah. That I'm glad it's gone, because nowadays, yeah, if it rang in Missoula... There's gonna be there's gonna be uh, some a large amount of camo on the guy or a large amount of uh, Subaru stickers, <laughs> the Subaru tattoo. The the the, la- the two labs come out they, with it. They pull their mountain bike out of the voting booth. <laughs> uh, where are you from, Dan? I am from Des Moines, Iowa. Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Yeah. So you come from a different place yeah remarkably similar to this in a lot oh, of ways it's, a college town. Uh, it's not i mean there is drake university is in des moines oh. but it's pretty small iowa city is probably your your prime time college is town. that where the yeah. university i was yeah okay. and that's where i went to undergrad okay um, it's awesome i moved here from new york city though i lived okay. in uh, i lived in bushwick back back before it was good yeah um well now you couldn't afford to live there no yeah offense. no i lived in bushwick <laughs> in the year 2000 uh, which at that time seemed like the future um <laughs> but like my share of the rent i lived on bushwick avenue and green street so just off the kosciusko stop on the j um and my share of the rent was 275 dollars whoa month. Oh. yeah it was less than i had paid in iowa city in college oh my god and it was That's not amazing. worth it <laughs> um, dude, I used to I wore I used to wear contact lenses and I would go to sleep in my jeans with my contact lenses in my pocket because otherwise it would be frozen when I woke up in the morning. Oh fuck. Yeah. Oh, I was working at uh at Performance Space 122, um which is like a non-profit performance art theater in the East Village. Were you just just was this pre-college or post-college? This was post-college. So my my undergraduate degree is in theater. Okay. Um, which is where I made my first million. Um, <laughs> but like I would, yeah, like me and my, my like reprobate theater college friends would get on the train and like schlep into PS122 and make, like I was making 19 grand a year and living in New York City. It was cool. Which is, that's like still, I don't think people actually who do that kind of work make more money there now. No, they really do. But no, they, it's pay, inflation they pay a fucking lot more money. Yeah. I always, when I'm there and even my friends that are still there, like how what are you doing where how is this working out for you i was i was scandalized in like 2001 when i learned that my friend was paying 800 dollars a month for her apartment on saint mark's place holy shit and i was like i would never pay that much for rent and when i moved out i was paying like 13 a month for like a studio in astoria yeah there you go Really inconvenient place, probably for you to live. Also, yeah, yeah it was rough. <laughs> uh, great Italian food. <laughs> and then, so from there, you came to Missoula. Yeah, and my plan. I lived with with Ben Folks and Sarah Aswell in okay. their basement. Um, There's like a contingent of all of you writers. Yeah, a, or people that work at Bird Street Bistro, which is a substantial overlap. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, we had like a weirdly talented class, yeah. like uh, Chad. Dundas um, was in that class, and he just published his first novel last year, um, and his second novel is dope. I've been reading it oh, in cool. writer's group. It's Sweet. delightful. Um, and then Jason McMacken, uh, who's a very talented writer and did not pursue it too much after grad school. Um, and then Sarah Aswell is a professional now. Ben's a professional now. He writes for uh, USA Today, um, covering mixed martial arts. Well, then wasn't also Rachel Tor in that class? She was in that class. I mean, not a part of your cohort, maybe. We, so much. we were happy to hang out with Rachel Tor, and then she would get super mad and go home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I Rachel, like Rachel very so much. So Rachel was my first 
professor at the wow. university for the what are, uh, what do they call that composition class? NX, the NX class, the composition class yeah, that every freshman yeah, has to take. Oh, that like everyone fails apparently. Yeah, which is shocking. Be- but I don't get that because it's like literally writing book was, reports. Was it eight a.m. Yeah, there's it's your problem. Oh, it's the showing up thing. So once I got the ele- the fifth time through eight, at eleven o'clock, I passed it. There you go. Yeah, just in the morning. I have strong opinions about the teaching of composition. Oh shit, man, that class is so. But what I was gonna say is, I had Rachel, mm-hmm. and Rachel for uh, an eighteen year old was she was so awesome and like got my ass in line. Yeah, and she'd show up every morning drink diet coke. At eight o'clock and just ready to party, and she was really, really important to to my education. But when I when I found out years later when I got to know Jason and Chad and those dudes that she was in their class, I was like, how? That doesn't seem like it could have been gone. <laughs> she was a, she was a little older than us uh, and more worldly. Uh, <laughs> I really like Rachel because she's like very caustic. Yeah, um, totally. And she she has lived without compromise for the last. 20 or 30 years. It's all, well, she will, she, I remember specific, she is the kind of person who uh, does everything very deliberately. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time, because she's also like a, Travis, she's like an ultra runner. Mm-hmm. She runs like 100 fucking miles. Yeah, she time. did like a stage race in the Himalayas. Yeah, I mean, she is a badass. Awesome. And I remember asking her about the amount of Diet Coke she consumed and that I had never once seen her have water. And she said, I hate water. Yeah. And what I heard from her, this is the kind of version she was, was that I don't need to drink water, basically. Like, yeah. that's a myth. Yeah. And that super athletes <laughs> drink Diet Coke. <laughs> True. And that is the way to live. Aww. So, anyway. So, after awesome. you got your MFA, you just started for freelancing, and that's kind of what you've been doing? So, directly after my MFA, I went back to New York. I was a uh, tutor for preparatory school kids. So, like a boutique tutoring Mm -hmm. company, and we did like Riverdale and Fieldston and all those those hill schools. Yes. Um, It was weird uh, (laughs) and lucrative. But, like, I I paid for grad school, and then in, like, 2009, I realized that I could write for a living as long as I didn't live in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Did you hear that, everyone who just graduated? <laughs> yeah. Don't. I love New York. Um, I moved there to become a writer. Right. Um, but, like, particularly if you want to work in the arts, like, uh, anything narrative, um, go to L.A. There's, oh. There's more work there. The cost of living is a little lower. Well, and it seems like increasingly you don't really, I mean, you, I'm sure you need to go to the place for a minute. Mm-hmm. But do you really need to live anywhere? It's tricky. Um, no, I think is the short yeah. answer. Um, my, the internet absolutely makes my work possible. The yeah. only client I have in town is the indie. Really? Um, yeah. And that's... And it's just communicating with email with all the other editors. Yeah. Um, Which but, is great. Yeah, it's awesome. Because edit, meetings with editors in on their turf can suck. Yeah. Can feel real bad. And I'm not like... I'm not great in person. Like, I, I used to have social skills. Like, when I lived in a big city and, like, going out and right. drinking and trying to lure people to become my friends or whatever. Um, but now I'm, I spend so much time alone. It's not unusual to go 48 hours without speaking aloud. Social oh, skills yeah. lost their utility to you. Yeah, in some ways. That's okay. Yeah, in limited ways. Um, well, Carly and I just moved to Potomac, and I, <laughs> I already am discovering that I've been really bad driver in Missoula. Oh. 
I, I feel it's happening. That's this first sign. I can tell when you've been out, of, when you haven't come into town for a day or two. Yeah. I can tell immediately when he walks in. It feels is it like his aspect? Like, yeah, see? like, like, uh, like his, commu- the, the, the level of communication is like, is uber direct and super intense, yeah. which I don't mind except for when I'm like, hey, are you, are you yelling at me? Yeah. You <laughs> you know, I'm, not, okay I'm not a sheep. I find that I come into your house very quickly, but like before my brain got into your house. So I'm here. <laughs> are, you, are you okay? Yeah, so I'm in front of you, but I, you don't, lot, I don't know what to got say. Got a lot going on, so don't I you? just yell. So imagine that you had been in Potomac for the last like 10 or so years, and then you came here or like Salt Lake City or something. Ooh, yeah. And you were like, everyone here is berserk. Like, not just in, like, superficial cultural ways, like, not just because they're watching HBO, but because, like, when they talk to me, they're talking weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I I think that is the most terrifying aspect of contemporary politics to me, is that, like, things like, oh, we're like, okay, when that bell rings, we'll see if the guy's wearing camouflage or a man bun, and then we'll know which party he voted for. Yeah. Um, So many previously apolitical things have become politicized. Because we no longer have a monoculture, yeah. Like all those, all those little like consumerist expressions have become political expressions in a lot of ways. Not all of them. Like the fidget spinner remains nonpartisan. Oh <laughs> fuck, man! Pretty much all of them, though. Yeah. Aside yeah. from that, and in really shitty ways. Because then what happens is if you tell me the dude with the man bun voted for Gianforte. All of a sudden, I'm like, he is a secret fucking weapon, and you have we have to get rid of him. A traitor to we his to, class. Yeah, we need to yeah. bury him in the woods somewhere, and no one can know he existed because <laughs> he is a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, uh, right? Yeah, I think I think it's so weird uh, the uh, the political party being a lifestyle, mm-hmm. like it, the the large issues, the distractive issues, uh, abortion, guns, all those. They don't really affect those people on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, probably 90% of them don't get affected by those actual issues. 99% of them. <laughs> 99% of Those particular issues. Those, yeah, those fuck two. Fuck you. And I'm so, sorry. It's so weird that, for me, it's just weird, outside looking in, that, that there's a lifestyle attached to each political party. Yeah. Like, the joke of camouflage to man bun. There, there are exceptions to that rule. You can find the one guy that's living in Lewistown... That that acts like everybody else, drinks like everybody else, talks like everybody else. But oh, but he's voting Democrat. That's weird. Yeah. But it shouldn't be weird. Right. The weird part is that they're so it's so ingrained that like God is on one side and and the other side is not uh, has nothing to do with God. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. Well, they're just brands, right? I mean, it's like yeah. Mac and PC. Literally, the the parties are Mac. Well, and one PC of those now. is superior. Just joking. Uh, <laughs> Matt, right? But yeah. obviously, okay. <laughs> not anymore. Just not sure. anymore. Yeah. Specifically, 2012 uh, was the pinnacle year for. Is that when Jobs died? Uh, no. Is that why you said that? No, no, but it's engineering wise, those are yeah. probably the best. I've ones been yet. using a 2012 like unibody MacBook I know, Pro. That's what mine is. For the last five years, and they still like the processor hasn't really been refreshed. Nope. This is. Have you really seen good. the show Silicon Valley? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I think that's the funniest fucking show I've ever seen. It's, it's so really good. funny. Oh my god. I just watched them all for the third time. The uh, I'm really glad that they're exploring, or that they're doing more with Ehrlich and Jin Yang. Me too. Mm-hmm. Um, seafood. So, they had to. They had to. Seafood yeah. is really 
Detroit. That and the, this this season has more uh, Jeff Bezos references. Than, yeah, that's than yeah. Usually <laughs> They're all head up about Bezos. Jin uh, Yang, I have not I have not sleuthed who he is as an actor. No, he could be a really fine actor or just a person who came to America a year ago. And Mike Judge, special Ice. occasion. Yeah, cigarettes. Uh, I love his ex- explanation when. Uh, so when Ehrlich hears uh, mistakenly from Big Head that Jin Yang is working on a project that has to do with Oculus, Oculus. Yes. Uh, and assumes that it's a virtual reality project pertaining to a Oculus. VR play. It's a VR play. Yeah. And in <laughs> fact, Jin Yang's app is 10 Recipes for Octopus. Oh my God. And like, Ehrlich is so mad. He's like, Octopus? Octopus? And Jin Yang's response is, it's a water animal. <laughs> so good. It's really funny. It's such a good show uh anyway you guys know about max just made me think of that Sorry, instantly. Oh, i love it i fucking love that. that show who do you think's gonna win uh in this special election Hudge. Oh, um, i know in my heart i know it's greg jen forte he's gonna win uh he probably is it in my opinion being rich should be a liability in the present political climate yeah um but it's absolutely not and the i think the republican party has has become like a this isn't anything new, but it has been captured by business culture. Like they really do believe that being a businessman is the pinnacle of human achievement and that those people are qualified to do anything else. Right. It's the same as the fucking televangelists that are dressed up Mm -hmm. that preach. If you do this, you can become rich. Oh, the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel, which is the same. Why do they like Gianforte other than, they keep mentioning how much money he has. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's got so much money. He's so successful at his business. Gross. Yeah. He well, is so far removed from a normal person. It's also just so wrong. I mean, yeah. so that logic leads them immediately to say, well, the president is the CEO, mm-hmm. which is not a fact. No. That is not no. how the government works. Yeah. He's not the fucking CEO. The relationship between a business and its customer base is so much more exploitative than what we want <laughs> oh, yes. from our government. But it's less exploitative than what we get from our government. Yeah. Like, I can trust Target more than I can trust our president right now. Well, and it, I it, think. And it leads him to, I mean, it's the thing that, it, true. you hear people say this more and more, but I mean, people want to bring back manufacturing jobs and coal jobs, and those jobs don't exist for a reason. Yeah. It's not like Democrats were like, we're going to take those jobs away, like we're going to take your guns away. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I know they don't ever, no one has ever <laughs> fucking said that. God, I love my gun. Oh. <laughs> um, but so, but you, it's, it's like, what do you do when there, I mean, there are tens of millions of Americans who say, fuck yeah, when he says we're going to bring back manufacturing jobs and we're going to build cars and big things out of steel even though those jobs are done by robots now. Mm-hmm. And if they do bring it back to humans, it's going to be $5 an hour. And no one will want to do them. No. Yeah. Um, so, uh, We're going like, to have to tear down the, the wall between Mexico and the United States to get more people to come fill those human jobs. We'll have, they'll have gates. <laughs> Hallways. And tunnels that, that the cartels made. <laughs> that we what, was that, what was that joke about the... Uh, you can build the you can build a thirty foot wall, but it'll just make a market for thirty one foot ladders. Yeah. And Trump responded with, "Well, how are you going to get down?" <laughs> Jesus, Sorry. man. Sorry, and I was like, "Oh, like, well, that's that's a rope." Like, do you really want to answer that question? Is that even rhetor- is that a, a little, like actual rhetorical question? Because it's not. Right. Like that's a, there's a logical answer to that, which is. 
another ladder. Or or a rope. Or really? Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, the wall. Oh Can't believe we're talking about the wall. We've avoided that since we've started this podcast. We've never talked about I, the wall. So I agree. I think June Fool's, what the fuck? I mean, so many of the things is like... How do you talk about it without just being a condescending asshole? Yeah, and this is, I think, a big issue right now. Um, because, like, we talk about, like, seeding churches and how weird that is. Yeah. Um, or, like, going to the school board and saying that you want to you want there to be a chapter on Exodus in your, your kids' social right. studies class. Um, and we, we scoff at that stuff, but it is absolutely working. Yeah. Um, I think Democrats are, like, we... They, they slash we, liberals won the culture war too hard in like the 80s and 90s. Um, if you look at like televised entertainment, any sort of like mass entertainment, it certainly presents quote unquote liberal lifestyles, yep, right? Like absolutely. friends, a bunch of liberals living in an apartment. Totally. Uh, Frasier, two gay liberals are brothers. Right. Like, <laughs> they're all sort of. Um, there's definitely, like, if you are not part of that culture, you're like, my God, there is a liberal conspiracy to yeah. demean me. Um, and if you turn on, like, John Oliver or The Daily Show and you see, like, jokes that are just premised on outrage at how stupid Republicans are, like, it's going to reinforce that. That's true. Idea. It's almost like the nerds rose up. Yeah. And that seemed great because they were the underdogs. But the football players who then became the underdogs are actually really scary underdogs. Yeah. And now they're going to get us. <laughs> they will. But that's what it kind of feels like. Because they all, I mean, that's, and that's like, I mean, it always blows my mind when you listen to like, you know, fucking Sean Hannity or, uh, well, not Glenn Beck anymore. That's a fascinating thing. Weird, yeah. And what a weird pivot. I he looks like Truman Capote. Oh my God, he does look like Truman Capote. Uh, I mean, but man, he's I, he's really endeared himself to me now. That thing where he is eating the cake with Samantha B. Have you seen oh, that? I have video? not seen that. It's a it's Samantha B. Gets a you know her whole thing was like, well, now I guess we're odd bedfellows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she got him a cake that was both of them in bed together. Wow. But she has one foot on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well done. It's Samantha really great. Dude. But you listen to those dudes, and they're white, rich guys. Mm-hmm. Christian, white, rich guys. And everything is about how victimized they are. Yeah. And it's, it's. I mean, if this is the logic we're using, it's... I mean, on one level, you're like... I. I obviously can't have a conversation with you because your perspective makes no fucking sense. But what you just said, actually, that sort of explains it to me a little bit. That that in a lot of ways, and that's I guess what you always think is like, man, if I was a Republican, twenty year old person in North Carolina, and all of my favorite bands were now not coming to my state, yeah, because of those political views, as as a young person, I would definitely question those political views, and rightfully so. Like, mm-hmm. uh. But that doesn't seem to happen. No. And I think historically, not historically, but since World War II, since the late 50s, the best way to sell anything in the United States is to position it against an imagined mainstream. Yeah. Uh, Apple computers, right? Think different. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, like I think the, the hottest marketing technique is nobody else wants you to buy this. Uh, and the people who do are part of like a knowing few yeah. or a, a resistance, if you will. Uh, and that term makes me want to spit on the floor. Why? 
Because, um, first of all, the resistance is not actively resisting. Like, That's if you're just on... I went to Helena, though, dude. Yeah? Yeah, I marched in Helena. Well, we didn't really march. We stood out. We stood there. <laughs> I uh, I cared for Jody's son while she went to Helena, which I think is the most progressive thing. <laughs> that I is so do. fucking progressive, right on, man. Right yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, sorry. No, no, that's okay. Um, the thing that bugs me about the resistance is part of what bugs me about like democratic politics right now um, in that it is one done for the in-group, right? So like the resistance reveals itself to other members of the resistance. And yet it operates on the conceit that they're like an underground thing. Even though it's the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, uh, the original term, the resistance, referred to like the French anti-Nazi underground under the yeah. Vichy regime. <laughs> and like that's real shit. Like if they catch you, they're going to pull your fingers off until you say who your friends are. Are you confusing with La Resistance? La Resistance, I am. Okay. Um, well. Yeah, that's not the Vichy resistance, <laughs> is it? Oh, man. We're going to edit this later, right? <laughs> nope. Uh, the... Uh... That reminds me that the old, the first uh, Rob Quist commercial was just a no, I didn't commercial. No, I'm not. Like all it was was arguing against. It's him shooting a TV that's playing his attack ad. Those commercials. So there's no, there's no. Here's my, here's what my issues are. Here's what I'm gonna do. It's just a, nah. Yeah. Oh, I know that he's from Montana. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He plays banjo. I know that Gene Forte is not from Montana, which I fucking don't give a shit yeah, about. Yeah, I'm not cares? from Montana either. I mean, uh, it does not matter. I mean, you want to really get into it? Yeah, do N- it. None of you motherfuckers are from Montana, <laughs> actually, if we want to do that. Uh, but yeah, it's not, I I don't, I like I said before, I, I know nothing about like what kind of congressman he would be, period. Other than that, I assume he'll vote for whoever someone tells him to vote for yeah i think that's most likely like he will be i don't want to say an apparatchik because i don't think he'll he'll actually get specific duties that he has to fulfill um but he'll be a party line democrat that's what we saw with al franken whom i i like a lot as a a writer and as a person totally um but he votes with his party like 98 percent. does he yeah he's the most reliable democratic vote at least he can talk yeah, like he and his rhetoric is amazing. And he's smart. Yeah, have you seen him d- drawing the map of the congressional districts in, or no, or was it the states? Somebody on Twitter got on his ass about not like understanding the congressional districts in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and there's a video of him from memory drawing them. Yeah, wow, it is Psycho. really awesome. That's exciting. Really uh, awesome. I don't, I don't pay attention enough until, of course, this year, which we joke about that the only good thing, the the best thing that Trump did is made us pay attention. Yeah, but the uh, um, uh, Al Franken and Bernie going after Zinke during the uh, um, Senate hearings, those like all of a sudden I've watched it for three hours. Like those are big brains mm-hmm. with a lot of information. Firing at this, uh, he's a hick. Like to me, when I see that, and I live in I've lived in Montana since uh, ninety. I moved wow. from the Midwest as well. Okay. Uh, like, I think of those guys. I think of when I see uh, Gianforte. Even like, what? Uh, what's with this? What's with this small town bullshit? Oh wait, oh, it's fucking Montana. You're talking about Zinke. Well, no, no, but I mean, and even Zinke, like it was all the old, all the rhetoric was based around a uh, good old boy thing that, like, I see that and I'm like, oh, this is bullshit. 
come on, this is like the future's here. Like, what are we still talking about this? But I drive around Montana for my job, and all it is is small town. Yeah. Like, and I get outside the bubble, and oh, oh shit. The small and, town thing doesn't make sense to me anymore, though, because Gianforte, he, Zinke can sell it all day long. And that's why, like, uh, uh, what was Juno's first name? Denise. Denise, Denise Juno. When you, it sucked, man, but it was a little bit like the Gianforte Rob Quist thing where, I, you know, you would hear Denise Juno answer questions. And, uh, I mean, I, there's no doubt in my mind she's smarter than Zinke. She would, she would serve the Montana people better and has already. Uh, but when she answered questions, she didn't have that, like, square-jawed confidence that Zinke had. And there was no fucking doubt. I bet Zinke could get me to vote for him if I, like, had a beer with him. Yeah. You know? Gianforte doesn't fucking sell it to me. No, he can't. Like, he, he doesn't look it. You know? And that's the thing that's so... I mean, I know it's all party line stuff, but, like, the small-town Montana shit, I'm like, those dudes, like, Zinke, if somebody says they're going to grab a woman by the pussy, I think that... The, the air Zinke wants to put on, and maybe genuinely does, and probably genuinely does, is I'm going to kick the shit out of that guy that said that about a woman. Yeah. Uh, and I I think Gianforte is just a fucking coward, pretty much. Zinke is a showman. Uh, totally. Like, I think his message discipline is incredible. Like He's really good at it. Yeah, he's playing a character yeah. the whole time. Um, and it's I think it's good that he's landed at Interior, where, like... This is, I'm sure, big interior policy wonks are going to write into the podcast and be angry about this. But, like, I don't think you can fuck up the interior too much. Right. Just, like, don't sell Yellowstone and you're you're probably good. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a good place for him. Yeah. <laughs> but Gianforte does not, I don't know, even in conversation, I was like, I like this guy because he's an awkward nerd. Oh, really? Um, on a personal level. What, yeah, and, yeah, when like you talked to him before the election? Mm, I talked to him. It was before he announced because I remember trying to trick him into announcing, and he caught it at the announcing last for, minute. For, announcing his candidacy for governor. For governor, okay, so yeah. it's a little while ago. Yeah, um, I think it was like spring 2015. Okay, um, but he he seemed really prepared, and he seemed like one of those people who becomes very conscious of how he's positioning his mouth when he's talking. Oh, you know that? Were you there together? It. Yeah, we were sitting. At, we were at Montgomery Distillery. Oh no! Kidding. And I was like, "Yeah, you want to watch me drink a bunch of cocktails?" Oh, and whoa. he's sipping away. Um, but like, I don't think he is cut out for like a debate scenario, right. a public speaking scenario. Right. And I think that's part of the reason he has been just pressing that hick button oh, so yeah. hard. Yeah. Cause he just learned how to press it and now he yeah. can just do it. What was the, when we, uh, we saw him right before the election, he was at the old post and the old post being a bubble itself was just angry that he was there. Yeah. Angry that he's there. And, and everybody's everybody's whispering about it. It's quieter in there than normal. And it was like a Sunday brunch. Mm-hmm. It's quieter in there. But he's... Two people sitting with him have zinky shirts on. He has his coot, Northern Kootenai jacket on, which he takes off, and he has his Navy SEAL shirt on. For Christ's sake. Like, it's branding. Branding. Branding as fuck. Which... Trump proved works as well. I mean, that's like the Republican thing is written, like a, a written phrase is so important that when you walk, like when I walk by him, like I can't be mad at him for a Navy SEAL shirt. Like it's hard to yell at a, it's hard to yell at a decorated individual. <laughs> and probably a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. And then it's hard to be like, uh, you're wearing that jacket, like you're showing support, but it's, it's wrong. I think it's wrong. Is it? I don't know. Like, and I'm confused as I'm like, 
wanting to take the picture of me flipping him off, but it's going to have one of those two images in that picture. Oh, no. Then, <laughs> you flipping no, off. No, then I'm an ass. asshole. Like, no, no, then I look like a dick, which is what the Republicans or Democrats have been doing in our campaigns is just fighting against, well, he's a bad person. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's a losing, that's a losing game, right? To say, well, he's a horrible person. Oh, but I believe in some, oh, I already got lost. Like, you get lost in that rhetoric of, don't vote for him. Yeah. Ugh. And I, I think it's symptomatic, uh, particularly on the Democratic side, of the party abandoning sub- substantive issues. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a huge problem in the Clinton campaign, right, where they failed to failed to articulate a reason why you should vote for Hillary Clinton other than Donald Trump is a maniac and things aren't as bad as he says. Yeah, and even in the primaries, it was that Bernie Sanders is unelectable. Yeah, it's that which all is these weird. All these great, even though I couldn't cross Orange Street Bridge one day because he was in Karis Park. Yeah, guess where is not an awesome place to see Karis Park, Orange <laughs> Street Bridge. Yeah, but you know, you saw ten thousand people show up, and you're, but then you're hearing everyone on TV and on the radio saying he's unelectable, and it's like, isn't. Isn't that the only true metric of electability is how many people show up to see you speak? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Bernie would have won. Right? He would have fucking won. I think he might have. Um, and I think part of the problem, so a lot of my friends, uh, not a lot of my friends, like two of my friends work in the Obama administration. Um, one of them was until recently a speechwriter for Michelle and the others in the Justice Department. And they were both like, Bernie doesn't stand a snowball's chance. And it was because, like, by virtue of being professionals who work in Washington politics, like, they were comfortably middle class. Um, They had health insurance. They had not... They had not experienced, like, oh, I got a speeding ticket and I couldn't pay it and my license got revoked, so I lost my job. Right. Um, so to them, the Sanders platform was largely meaningless. It was yeah. a theoretical socialism. Um, whereas to me, I'm like, you're going to give me free health insurance? Like, I'll put my mouth on you. Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then and again, like, just to the sort of populist part of it, which is, I mean, Football stadiums got filled to yeah. see this guy, and uh, you know, I uh, the the policies aside, it, that was like infectious to me, mm-hmm. and it got me so fucking stoked. Yeah, I mean, even more fun. stoked than Obama. I was so excited about Obama. Yeah. Uh, but this was this was kind of a different thing because he was talking about shit uh, that yeah is going to be really hard to get. But aren't we terrible for not trying? Yeah, politics yeah. should be more ambitious. Oh yeah. Fuck. Well, that was uh, the same. I had the same experience. Uh, Bridget's brother and fiance oh, the both the dates. The, the dates date. brother. The dates brother uh, and fiance both work. They're Democrats in, in D.C. and both work in that. And like that was the argument was I can't believe we have Bernie. Why? Why? He's it, there's no way. And like because he actually has a he actually has a stance. Yeah. Oh oh no. Like, because he seems genuinely frustrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he can and he can speak, and he can answer questions right away. Like and he actually has the answer to the question, but but it ruins it ruins possibly a lot of those people's jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. The point is to actually change something as opposed to well, we just want to keep it going where it is. I don't want to keep it going where it is. Yeah, and Bernie was the one that was saying no. No, we're going to completely change this. 
And I think that was Trump's appeal too. Um, I heard this is not my analogy originally. I heard it from a, I heard it third hand from a dude that my friend went on a date with. Um, that's my source here. Perfect. Um, but imagine that you are on a ship, like in steerage class, like the shitty seats at the bottom of the, the ship, and it's filling with water, and you don't know exactly what has happened, but you know that the people who are steering the ship have done something terribly wrong. Yeah. Um, and you're like, how can we solve this ship problem? And what you have is a box of hand grenades. Um, Donald Trump is that box of hand grenades where you're like, the, the ship is sinking. I don't know what's wrong. This is the tool at hand and it's going to do something. Yeah. I think that was the reasoning for a lot of Trump voters. And the reasoning that Hillary put forth, I'm with her, a, a weird slogan the so slogan weird. for the hillary campaign was we are all part of the hillary campaign yeah um but with like trump and sanders it was a specific deal like trump you're like okay i give you my vote you give me like institutionalized persecution of muslims and like a wall and then like vague promise like protective tariffs i yeah. guess um and with sanders like i give sanders my vote i get a 20 percent chance of socialized medicine and uh, someone to openly admit that corporations are not our friends. Right. Uh, whereas with Clinton, I get experience. I get um, a woman deserves to be president, which Relentless I think is true. Relentless ambition. Just fucking the yeah. most ambitious. She will not stop trying. She definitely wanted to win. You will get okay, that. that. Whoa, man. Oh. <laughs> she started, she really was a sad character toward the end of that campaign, yeah. in my mind. I feel bad for her. I feel really sure. sorry for her. Um, I mean, I can't... I cannot fucking imagine what it was like to be that close to being the first female president and to lose it to that guy. To a buffoon. like To a pussy-grabbing buffoon. Yeah. I, I think he symbolizes what Hillary Clinton has been mad at her whole life, right? Yes. Like, rich dudes who get by on being loud and big. Pretty yes. much. Pretty much. Um, here's this. Here's the. I think the most dangerous thing about what has happened. So after Trump got elected, uh, it was. I said this to Travis, but it was like the most surreal thing I had experienced since September 11th. Yeah. Meaning, looking at the TV, and I was living outside New York City, and you're we looking at the TV, and you just couldn't stop watching the plane hit the building and saying that. That really happened? Yeah. It's almost it's such an unreal equality. So crazy. So crazy. And uh, Trump, same thing. When they started calling it for Trump, I was watching the TV and I was just like, no, 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 no. It's, it's not possible. Uh, and then what happened immediately after is, and, and this is, you know, true of, of older generations and uh, that they were fired up. My dad talked about volunteering for Habitat Humanity. Uh, and, you know, it seemed like all of this sort of, and then the, the, the marches all over the place, and there was this great energy, uh, you know, it was called the resistance. Um, but it felt good. Yeah. It, and it was really important to me in that time where it felt really, I mean, I don't want to be dramatic, but it felt like pretty despondent for a little while there about the state of affairs. Um, now, though, I, my distrust of both sides, of everyone in Washington is so intense and also my life has still not changed at all uh and if this healthcare thing happens i mean i don't think it'll happen in the way that it is currently written mm -hmm. um and I, I mean i like to think that my life still won't change very much if it is if some version is passed and it'll really just be look we repealed obamacare it's still obamacare yeah that's what i'm hoping for uh 
But it makes you start to think, man, this shit doesn't matter. Yeah, and I... Okay, so, like, two two problems here, right? Yeah. Nihilism and misanthropy. Yeah. Um, because, like, the whole country voted for a game show host for mm-hmm. president and, like, a, a man who is obviously lying all the time. Um, and, like, I'm forced to conclude either, like, large portions of the electorate can't perceive obvious lying, like they're just the town in the music man, um, <laughs> oh, or... Uh, um, I haven't seen it. I've only seen the no, monorail episode of The Simpsons. Or, yeah, politics doesn't matter. It's all uh, it's all a show, a show of shit. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the dude at the bar, right? Who's like, well, they're all liars. Um, and that's a convenient position. Like, that's definitely the position that a despot would want Americans totally. to take. Totally. And skeptic, like skepticism is a, a bit of a privileged perspective in most cases, right? Yeah. But it's it's so fucking... And, I, it, you know, I'm going to vote. And I, I, like I said, this is like my big source of entertainment these days, for better or for worse. Uh, so I'm informed. Um, and I care. But also, again, back to like Bernie Sanders... That was that was really amazing. When that was going good, it felt really hopeful. And then the DNC emails, and I, I don't I don't know. I never really got a grasp on how significant those DNC emails were. Hard to say. Really hard to say. Uh, but it was pretty fucking obvious they were not behind the dude who was selling out football stadiums. Yeah. So then you're like, well, it actually is a trick. I actually am never just voting for the guy I think I'm voting for. Mm-hmm. Um. It's all behind the scenes, engineered to be the way the people at the top want it to be, and I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'm like a 17 year old again, and I'm just like pissed off at everything. Everything is fake. Kinda. That's yeah. sort of how I feel, and I feel it really. Like I've I've just talked about this on the podcast a lot, but I'm feeling very cynical about everything these days. Yeah, and don't you know? Don't feel that way and be wrong. Right. But if everything is fake. It has to be possible for us to perceive that, right? Yeah, that that's is true. A, that's true. That is a condition that could actually occur. That's true, which is why we need you, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't know about need. Man, this is a big responsibility you have. This is, yeah, I gotta start. I gotta start writing second drafts. I think. It's, Do you feel that at all? I mean, your job. I don't know. I, it, and maybe this is just because I'm younger and I haven't had that much. Politics have not been a significant portion of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but do you feel at all like like your job writing about politics and and like I said writing about it in a way that you know you write about tax reform or something and it's something that if it was a CNN article I well, could you could not make me read the whole fucking thing right but you I know that there's going to be little treats in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's that's what I'm selling right um, number one like so I do worry about accuracy. Sure. Um, because if you print like a, a wrong fact in the newspaper or say that the, the resistance originated in Vichy, France, um, like, like that's just, it's clearly wrong and it will mislead people. Like yeah. people will base their opinions on wrong information and then you're part of the problem. Totally. So I worry a lot about that. Um, fortunately, like what I am selling is like humor and sentence level writing. Yes. This sounds this sounds awful. That's true. Myself it's true this. that you that sentence you said sentence level writing that sounded awful. Like pretty. <laughs> <laughs> like I I really enjoy writing a clean sentence, which yes. is something that a lot of very good reporters don't do as well. Right. Um, and I, I try to write jokes, um, and a lot of people just can't, can't produce jokes. Yeah. Um, 
And you're like, funny, which is the hardest fucking thing to do on, it's, in print. Yeah, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to be a writer, but like, how can I find something to sell? Be funny because yeah. like most people can't do it. Right, like, like women. Or no, but also be honest with yourself when you test out your written jokes on people. Yeah, you're not as funny as you, you think. You probably you need <laughs> you need to be really fucking funny to actually be a little bit funny. Yeah, and funny in prose is totally different right. from funny in person. Well, I do funny in verse. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> Just talk about talk about tough <laughs> body limericks. And that's, what rhymes with frenulum? Oh. Um, anyway, <laughs> Travis knows. Oh, that's really good. Um, but like I am, what I'm not selling is like expertise or authority. Like I haven't worked in politics. Um, there's no reason why people should regard my opinion as, as better than anyone else's. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's expertise are, well, they're clearly overrated. In America. <laughs> yeah. The age of experts is over. Uh, but I think, I think in this instance, you know, and this is why in some ways this could be a heyday of journalism, although the way it, it's distributed it will make it so it's not uh but you can you can have a working knowledge of any topic because of the internet yeah meaning you might not know anything about you know whatever tax code but with the internet you could learn yeah you can read up on it really fast and know that you and your sources could be primary sources and you could produce a piece of writing that was disseminating information about the tax code in a perfect way as if you had a phd in accounting or whatever or a cpa yeah. uh so you know i don't i don't fucking care that you're not an expert but i think the, the 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 thing that you are an expert in is getting the information across in a way that i get to the end of the article yeah which is huge <laughs> real huge it's really yeah. huge and maybe that sucks that like i can't just read straight news and no one can but i mean the headlines are so fucking long anymore that it, you usually get most of <laughs> yeah that is true. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but I think that that's awesome, and I, I think I, we're, I'm grateful for your kind of writing. Thank you. Yeah, that's um, really that's awesome. And if people haven't checked out Combat Blog, they should. What's the website? Uh, it's combatblog.net. Because I saved like three dollars in 2008 <laughs> right. by not getting .com. Awesome, awesome. Um, is there anything else you wanna you want us to know? Um, no, I think that I think that largely covers it. Um, so. When I, sometimes I meet people around town and like they, they know my work, but they don't know me because I try not to put pictures of myself yeah. on the internet, although that has gotten a little loosened up recently. Um, Why did that get loosened up? Uh, the Indy ran a picture of me uh, last year oh. as part of like the Best of Missoula thing. And it's fine. Like at no point was I like, hey, don't run pictures of me. But like I hate an image of myself. I don't like to catch my reflection in the mirror. It's weird. Like cause oh, okay. that's not... It, that guy doesn't look like me. That's right. just the, the shell, right? Um, anyway, every once in a while when I meet people in real life and they're like, oh, yeah, I read your work, they're always like, I thought you were bigger and I thought you would be an asshole. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, they yeah. imagine me as Jason McMacken, basically. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So actually oh. I am like a, a slim, effeminate man. <laughs> that's hilarious. And Jason is actually way more tender than you on the page, probably. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for coming. Um, everybody check out combatblog.net and his pretty much weekly columns in the indie. Yeah. Uh, Lee, Lee Enterprises in the indie. That's what I like to call it now. Like Wes Craven's. Uh, <laughs> Wes Craven's local uh, news. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thanks for coming, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This has been Jamie. And Travis. Present. Present.
Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis present. Hey Jamie. Travis. Did you know that Jamie and Travis present is looking for sponsors? Really? We sell ads on this. What do you mean? We sell ads. So if I had a business and I gave you some money or in certain special instances, product. Trade, money. We trade in green and in, in stuff. Then we would talk about your business we record on an, our podcast? We record an ad that's as if we're talking about your business. Like we record it ahead of time and think about it and put a little bit of effort into we it? We put effort into it and you can tell us what to say. How much effort do we have to put into it? We put a lot of effort into it. Okay. A ton. And, that's, and that pays for the effort that we put into that ad. As a business owner, this sounds like a great deal. As a podcaster, this sounds like a lot of work. This is a lot of work for us, okay. and we're happy to do it. But we're taking it next level. So if you have a business, and you want to sponsor one of these episodes, you can do that. How should we get a hold of you? You can get a hold of us. <laughs> you can get a hold of us at Jamie and Travis present at gmail.com. Awesome. That's it. All right, man. You can also get a hold of us through all the other social media outlets. Okay. You can tweet us and say, make an ad for me. Uh, we don't check Twitter. Don't do we, that. We don't check the Twitter account. But... If you'd like to be a sponsor of Jamie and Travis Present, you can do that. Okay, cool. Awesome.